You can ask anything. It's trippy. Well, I, I I don't have anything really necessarily to ask, but I have a statement or mm-hmm. something to say. Okay. <clears throat> I've noticed that um with some people, not just adoptees, but some mm. people, there seems to be a cluster of certain types of diagnoses that kind of happen with adoptees mm-hmm. or with people that go through what adoptees mm-hmm. go through. And what I've witnessed, and I could be off my rocker, I don't know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I could be totally inaccurate, but what I've noticed is that people who've experienced some kind of assault or abuse of sexual nature that is coupled with some kind of attachment problem, whether that be in a foster home or adopted or parents die when they're babies, you know, whatever, things like that, plus some kind of mental illness or chemical dependency of some sort. There also tends to be with that an eating disorder of some kind. Drug use, addiction. Yep, some kind of compulsive behavior. Mm. Eating disorder. Um, and... Uh, Can you explain a little bit what attachment disorder is? Because people might not, oh, sure, might sure. not understand what, what yeah, you're Yeah, totally, to... totally. Well, I was going to say also the eating disorder, but also um, a borderline personality disorder. Oh, yeah. to be with that too. Anyway, but um, yeah, so attachment disorder. Basically, um, it's pretty huge topic. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a lot that goes into attachments. Mm-hmm. There's John Bowlby. He was a British, or I don't think he was an English psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And in the 40s, 1940s, he noticed that um, the children whose parents were separated, um, the, the children who were separated from their parents mm-hmm. in World War II, I believe, mm-hmm. or maybe, I don't remember which war, but it was World War something, that those there was a number of children, I think it was in um, France, who were taken from their parents and put into an orphanage temporarily mm-hmm. for during the war to be keep, to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. And then the parents either fought on the war or were in a different area. Then, after the war, this, these same children kind of grew up a little bit in the orphanage. Then they were reunited with their parents, and John Bowlby was working at that orphanage or had association, and he observed the children from when they first went in to when they were reunited with the parents. When the first children first went into the orphanage, these kids were just screaming and crying and just suffering so badly. I want my mommy! You know, just total, terrible, terrible distraught for the kids. Then, after probably about a mm, couple months, the kids acclimated to the new environment and then they were okay. And then they were able to eat again and, you know, do, do things and just learn, go to school, all that kind of stuff. So then, after a couple years, when the war got out and they reunited with their parents, he noticed how some kids' reactions were different to other kids' reactions uh, when they were reunited. Some kids ran to their mom and dad, hugged them, happy to see them. Everyone was happy to be left, and it was all good. Other kids um, were shy of their parents. They were kind of like, oh, there's mom, there's mom, oh, I don't know. You know, really shy. And then other kids just ran the other direction. It had nothing to do with their parents. They didn't want anything to do with them. They were like, F you, get out of my life. I'm done. You're not my parents anymore. And they had such an extreme different reaction than the first group I told mm-hmm. them. So John was like, what is going on here? Why aren't all the kids just going home to their parents mm-hmm. and happy? So then he looked further into the, into the 
case study. Mm-hmm. And he did some, I guess you could say, social experiments and other case studies with other parents and, their, and the mothers that came to John with complaints of how their newborn babies, or not newborn, their young toddlers mm-hmm. were um, being violent at home and just not doing good things and not, not seeming to attach to the, the caregiver, the mom. And John, after a lot of study, started noticing patterns in these, dif- in these different types of kids. What he noticed was the kids who, when at age birth through, I think it was like age five or so, when their parents attended to their cries, fed them regularly, they slept regularly, they got burped and bathed and all that, and everything was consistent and regular, and the, the parents were always there for the kids, and you know whenever they cried, they were there. Those children, when they got a little bit older, were the ones that ran back to the mom and dad after the war got done and everything was all good. Mm-hmm. Then he knows that the kids who, when um, from age of birth to five, when the mom or the dad was preoccupied, busy with something, and the kid was crying, and the parents weren't always there to pick them up, mm-hmm. but then sometimes the kids, the parents were there to pick the child up. Sometimes the parents were soothing. Sometimes the parents were unavailable inconsistency those were the kids that seemed to kind of be a little bit shy for the parents or run away and um the third group was the children who were traumatized Mm -hmm. they were abused they were neglected they were sexually abused physically abused those were the kids that just bolted away from the parent when the parent left Mm -hmm. and then there's other variations upon that so he concluded that there's different types of attachment styles there's secure attachment, which is the first one of the kid that runs to the mom and dad after the war is over, they hug and they're all good to go. And he concluded that about 50 to 60% of the population is securely attached, mm-hmm. meaning there's no trauma there. There's no separation or break in that attachment. And that's that, that, that attachment is so secure and strong that if the parents go away for a long time and they come back, that, that attachment is reinstated seamlessly and mm-hmm. it's good. Um, then the second style is anxiously attached, mm-hmm. meaning a lot of adopts fall in this category. Mm-hmm. Um, the child learned that their parent or caregiver is not always going to be there for them. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have to fend for themselves, but when they are there for them, it's all good. So they have this constant anxiety constant anxiety is mom gonna be there for me is dad gonna be there for me oh they're there for me yay oh but now they're leaving again who who can i trust where is my secure base i don't have one Mm -hmm. so that's the anxiously attached child and i forgot to include the avoidant child but the avoidant child is um their baby and their child and the mom and dad are just not there for them is that where is that where borderline personality comes is the third one no. Oh. Well, borderline personality can have some attachment, and borderline can have some overlaps. Mm-hmm. But borderline is a completely different thing. Oh, I see. But so then, so then there's the avoidant child, where um, uh, their baby they cry, 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 cry. Mom only comes, feeds the baby, and leaves. Cry, 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 cry. Mom comes, change diaper, leaves. So basically, neglectful parents or parents that are just unavailable. Mm-hmm. So the baby and the child learn at that young age that. I have to fend for myself. I gotta take care of myself because no one's gonna do it and I will die unless mm-hmm. I take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So they learn the hard age 
or the hard, the hard lesson that at a young age, no one, they can't rely on anyone. No one's there mm. for them. So as an adult, the avoidant child learns or grows up in relationships where when they meet someone and date someone, um, their way of getting affection is by avoiding their partner, pushing the partner away, avoiding the partner. Because number one, that's all they've really known. And number two, they want to be pursued by the partner. Because that pursuant behavior, like like calling, are you okay, what's wrong, let me come over, are you okay, how come you're avoiding me? You know, that pursuant behavior makes the avoidant child and the avoidant adult feel love. It's an indirect way of getting love and affection. The anxiously attached child, the one that is anxious that the parents are going to come back or not, the one that has inconsistency, when they grow up to be adults in relationships, they cling. Mm -hmm. They cling to their partner because they don't know if their partner's going to leave them or be there or not or whatever. You don't think that's borderline personality disorder? Is it related? There's traits. Oh. There's traits. But um, so the anxious attached person, they cling to their partner mm. and they're because they think that if they can hold on to their partner and control their partner and make their partner love them and not leave them, then they will somehow magically make their partner be with them forever. Mm. And it's like this kind of magical thinking that is based off of this total absolute insecurity within themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't have, they haven't established that caretaking within themselves. Mm -hmm. And then the, the last category is the disorganized child, which is the one, the little, remember the kid that the parents come home from the war and the kid just bolts, goes away mm -hmm. in the other direction. The, the abuse, is, the child who's abused, those people grow up and those are the ones that tend to be the sociopathic Oh, oh, I see. can't form attachments with others. They often fall within the category of RAD, reactive attachment disorder. Have you heard of RAD? Reactive attachment disorder. It's actually like, it's a, it's a, it's an illness. It's a mental illness. And the people who have RAD, they literally can't make attachments with anyone. And if they try, or if someone tries to make attachment with them, like a therapist or a teacher or a parent, they explode. They just get away from me they set fires and just you know the whole you know just super trauma coming out is that what jeffrey dahmer was probably was a sociopath is that the same thing or what i'm trying to say i'm not i'm not an expert on this so i don't know for sure but like sociopaths are extremely narcissistic and that they think that they're better than everyone oh i see and they have no empathy and they just no remorse so they could like they could like hurt an animal because they're bored and mm. then walk away and not think anything bad about it ever. Mm -hmm. Like that's sociopathic behavior. You don't think that serial killers or I think that's sociopath sociopaths so. or serial yeah, killers. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because they can hurt a human being and do it again because they don't feel empathy or remorse. Mm. They just it's like it's hardwiring their brain. Hardwiring their brain to not feel bad or have a compassion for living beings. So I assume like like because you describe it, you think the early onset of how your parents took care of you is essentially what influences your later life. Is that correct? Yes, I think. That, well, John Bowlby, that psychiatrist, mm -hmm. he actually, and there's also another therapist named Mary Ainsworth, but mm -hmm. basically, um, they concluded that 
what happens to a person from age birth to five years old, and then I'm beyond also, but those, mm. that's the crucial window. That time period, what happens to you with your relationship with your caregiver is the blueprint for your adult relationships mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. on in life. Mm-hmm. So my next question is related to bipolar. We're identical twins. We may not look like it. Mm-hmm. How is it possible that I'm bipolar and he's just not? I don't, well, do you know is, any twin studies? Well, bipolar, or I'm just so, curious. Yeah, because bipolar in some cases are, is gen- genetic, which I think yeah. in your case. So I don't know how the genes are in your biological parents. Yeah. But I'm guessing that both parents did not have identical. Oh, they didn't? Did not. How's that? How do I have it then? Well, because you probably have, it was probably carried down by some type of gene, either dominant or recessive, and you oh. have the... Both recessive yeah, genes? Yeah, or something oh. like that. I don't know. Oh. You'd have to get a DNA test in, of your bi- biological parents and figure oh. it out. Yeah. I, I, the thing is, I don't know if he told... Did Kyle tell you a little bit about our birth family? or No. So, we wrote a letter in 2009. It wasn't till All right. Yeah, 2009. It wasn't until like maybe eight years later we went to Pyeongchang Olympics and and it was really fun because we'd get to see uh, the snowboarder. He was famous and and I can't remember his name. John White. So that was really great. But we also met our birth family there. <gasps> so it's awesome because we saw our, our 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 real birth mom, the stepfather. We don't know who our real father is, but. We also saw our half sisters, and it was a great experience. So oh my gosh! We're gonna be in that book. That's why I mentioned earlier we're probably gonna be in the, the good side of the book. I guess you could say it, or oh, the good wow. experience. So we had a good experience. Bad experience. That's kind of why we're doing this because I always felt bad. Hey, we had a good experience. Yeah, we're we're definitely more so privileged than most people. Horrible experiences, and they it, like traumatize them the rest of their life. So we're just, I guess, right now we're kind of in that phase trying to figure out what cats themselves have been themselves healed from it because yeah i imagine myself in that in the predicament where my parents just shut the door on our face and i, I would probably be pretty depressed i don't know if i would go like the destructive route like doing drugs but it's, it's just yeah. like a common issue I, I, well that's wonderful i'm so mm-hmm. happy that you had a positive experience with your yeah. family mm-hmm. yeah i think it's rare but it's yeah. just essentially we had a really good experience that's awesome Mm-hmm.